Well, welcome back. Hello there, and we're ready to go with another Friday edition of the Bat U.S. Boxing Show. I am the somewhat capable host. He is our insider, and we love the picks that he keeps rolling through from Dan Rayfield of BigFightWeekend.com and his Fight Freaks Unite Substack. Uh, Dan, the premier boxing insider, really, uh, for going on about two decades as I continue to prop you up. A three and two week for you last week. You continue rolling along. I was humbled a bit at one and three a week ago, but we're we're vowing to get more of them right this week. Three different fights to go over, at least at the top, and questions and answers from the peeps. First off, Dan, how you feeling on another Friday? I'm feeling good, but as you mentioned, the record from last week, let's be honest, we were robbed on that knockout uh, over under on the on the Bartholomew knockout loss against Gary against Gary Antoine Russell because the referee with the one of the worst stoppages ever uh, somehow just managed to get that stoppage about 20 seconds or so before the the over hit. So I was a little irritated by that. Yeah, the over that's, under that's six life. and a half was uh, in play. That's, that's like boxing. Boxing betting, I guess. Well, it figures into some of our strategies that you're going to hear about here on this show on do you take a knockout, do you take an over-under prop, do you go decision or not, the when, the how is always intriguing. But still, I think they put this out earlier today. We're up like almost 30 units combined, Mm -hmm. you and I, if you've been taking the advice just since May. So you're doing well, man. If you're taking our advice... You're definitely uh, doing a good job on your head, uh, on your your head. And we don't have a championship fight to go over, but we do have some intriguing bouts that we're going to go over. A reminder, if you're just finding us here, we're live on Fridays at one Eastern time. Uh, I can already see a lot of uh, fans are in the live chat with us, but come find us on Fridays for live participation, including question and answer. Do us a favor, hit that like button, hit the bell right down there. Uh, More people will find us that way. They'll also find us if you share it out. And if you're not already doing so, subscribe, because then you're going to get a notification that the that the show is coming, the live show is coming on uh, Fridays at 1 Eastern time. And I realize that some of you are seeing this much later on Friday or even on Saturday before the fights. But if you want to be part of the live, 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 it's Fridays at 1 Eastern time for the good stuff. And I already see some savages that are in here ready to go back and forth with some different comments and uh, with what's happening. So we're anxious for all of that here on the program. All right. So, Dan Rayfield, let's get into it. There is a Golden Boy boxing show being headlined by welterweight contender Virgil Ortiz. That is coming Saturday night, Fort Worth, Texas. Ortiz unbeaten at 18 and 0 with 18 knockouts, fighting a little-known English fighter that doesn't have a very big punch in Michael McKinson. Now McKinson is undefeated, but McKinson only two knockouts in 20 wins. Ortiz, meanwhile, 18 KOs in all 18 of his wins. We see that even the knockout prop is not so advantageous for Ortiz here. It's expected that he's going to be able to get the knockout. Intriguing over/under is eight and a half rounds on this one. Dan, begin us with your thoughts and your analysis here as we get going. It's the Virgil Ortiz show. I mean, that's the bottom line. He is the featured fighter. He is the heavy favorite. He's the undefeated guy on the rise, whereas McKinson is undefeated. But, I mean, I don't know if I say he's on the rise because his level of opposition has been very pedestrian. Uh, I'll give him credit. He's willing to come over here to the United States from England to fight Virgil Ortiz in Fort Worth, Texas, which is essentially Virgil's backyard. He's uh, from Grand Prairie in the Dallas area, so it's a home a hometown fight for him. Uh, so, you know, I don't take away McKinson's heart and desire. Uh, remember, this was a fight that was supposed to take place in March. 
But uh, in the in the lead up to that fight, a couple of few days before the fight, at the beginning of the fight week, Virgil Ortiz was hospitalized with a blood disorder that forced him to pull out of the fight. And so that made uh, him be inactive for the past year because he hadn't fought, obviously, for several months prior to that fight being scheduled. So he's coming back after uh, roughly a, a one year layoff. Uh, and McKinson, who, through no fault of his own, lost his opponent in March. So Golden Boy did the right thing. They got a new opponent for him on short notice. Uh, the card went on, and he won a very sleep-inducing decision over Alex Martin. And <laughs> when it came time to reschedule Virgil's next fight, they weren't even going to go and re-sign McKinson for the fight. They were going to do a fight against David Evanesian, the Russian fighter who's based out of the U.K. There were some issues uh, coming down the stretch of making that deal. And when that fell apart, they went back to McKinson. And once again, to his credit, agreed not only to come and fight Virgil in America, because originally the fight was going to be in Los Angeles, he agreed to fight him in his hometown. So... I can't knock Michael McKinson's desire, his, his true want for this fight, his, his willingness to fight him in, in his hometown. But Virgil Ortiz is one of the very best young fighters in boxing. His power has been tremendous both when he was in the welterweight division where he is presently and also before he even came up to the welterweight division when he was knocking everybody out when he was fighting in the junior welterweight division. And uh, this is one of those types of fights where uh, somebody's O has to go and it's probably not going to be Virgil Ortiz's. Well, so let's get into uh, that uh, condition, that blood disorder. You did not. I was. I was smirking at that. I'm not smirking at the seriousness of the blood disorder because it hop- it hospitalized him. Ortiz, we're talking about, and it's serious enough because it's the thickening of the blood as it goes through your arteries and in your veins, and it's yeah. obviously life threatening. So we're not minimizing that. I'm going to try it. Ryom Dombylosis, I think, is what it is was i close on that on the i'm gonna go by it's uh by the generally accepted term rhabdo rhabdo all right so the interesting thing is he says hey i'm fully recovered they gave him treatment they gave him uh drugs and rest and whatever um and and look dan just say it one more time he is a spectacular punching welterweight but this is an unknown that he is stepping back in the ring at least early on in this fight from that blood disorder um, I don't I don't necessarily put much stock in that because if there was problems, he wouldn't be fighting. That's my belief. Uh, if he was willing to pull out of the fight because of the situation four or five days before the fight, uh, they had plenty of ample time and training to get ready for this fight. So, And I, I talked to Virgil on an interview that we ran on our podcast uh, a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. He's ready to go. He can't wait to get back in the ring. He's sort of ticked off that not, – not ticked off at his promoters or his handlers or anybody, just at the situation that he's been inactive for one year, which for a younger prospect uh, slash up-and-coming contender, uh, you never want to see a guy inactive like that. So I don't think there's going to be any problems with him getting back in the ring after that layoff. He's, uh, by all accounts – uh, rearing to go healthy and uh, can't wait and very excited to fight in the hometown again where he's fought uh, some of his fights in the past. And I don't see there being any issues with this. This is, uh, as I said, that's the Virgil Ortiz show. Uh, he was going to go out there and I think he's going to look spectacular against McKinson, who I think will give a great effort, but I believe will just simply be outmanned, outgunned, out everything. And, uh, and Virgil will stop him. All right, let's go on the record officially then with it right away here on the Bet US Boxing Show. Dan and I both like the knockout here from Virgil Ortiz, and why wouldn't you? 18 pro fights, 18 KOs. Now, it's not paying as well as maybe we would like, but my goodness, on the Bet US line, I believe it is minus 2,000 here to be able to try to make some money on Ortiz on just the money line prop. So that's a much better play to go for the knockout. And you and I both believe it will be earlier. The over under is eight and a half rounds. Interesting, the odds makers have this at eight and a half rounds. 
Uh, and as we can see there uh, off the big fight weekend handle, we both believe in the under. We both think this will happen before the middle of the ninth round. Dan, I, I don't think it's going to take Ortiz more than a couple of rounds to, to gain the range and gain the punching power here on uh, McKinson, who, again, not a lot is known about him except that he doesn't have a very big punch. And that's true enough. I think maybe Virgil might take a couple of rounds to sort of uh, shake off some of that rust, get used to what's going on. He knows that he's not a big puncher. Um, if he sees those shots coming, it probably won't do a lot of damage, uh, fortunately, if you're Virgil Ortiz. So I think he's going to be uh, very very uh, willing, let's say, to let the fight play out for a few rounds, to get a few rounds under his belt. I'm not saying he's going to carry him or he's going to play with him. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying he's going to not going to be over-anxious or overzealous or or try to really push for that knockout early on. Because, he's again, he hasn't fought for a year. Um, McKinson is a southpaw fighter, so there's a little wrinkle there for uh, Virgil to take account of. And by that time they get past, you know, three, four rounds, you know, and Virgil starts to really break the sweat and get into the groove, uh, you'll start to see the combinations and the fluid punching. And uh, that's at that point I think McKinson could find himself in some big trouble because the problem is as good of a boxer as McKinson may be, uh, and I don't even think he's that great of a boxer. I've watched some of his fights, including that last fight against uh, Martin before I dozed off. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't have anything to keep Virgil off of him. And Virgil's an aggressive yep. fighter. And Virgil's fought very good competition over to, you know, as best as they can match him with in his recent fights. Um, and it's just, it's one of those fights where I'm not saying anybody's trying to give him easy fights. I mean, to Golden Boy's credit, his promoter, they're trying to make real fights for this kid. It's hard. They don't have the ability to make certain fights because they either don't have them in their promotional stable or guys are simply unwilling to fight him, like Avanessian, for example, where they went all the way to the finish line and and suddenly they stopped responding to uh, the inquiries about the contract that they had sent them and been told, we'll get it back to you in the next you know few days, and suddenly nothing ever occurs. So it's not as though they're trying to avoid top fighters or, or they're not making efforts to make quality fights, uh, but they're hamstrung because... Virgil is a problem because he brings to the table huge danger, but not tremendous reward in terms of the money or recognition at this point. But look, I've liked Virgil Ortiz from day one. I had him as my 2019 prospect of the year. He's done nothing to disappoint. He's beaten, you know, quality guys. He knocked out Maurice Hooker, who we'll talk about who was on this undercard. He knocked out uh, the mean machine, Edges Kavalowskis. He's got some other solid victories on his record. And uh, I don't even think Michael McKinson, if you were ranking the best guys that Virgil Ortiz has faced so far in his career, Michael McKinson is probably not in the top five. So uh, to me, this is going to be probably a one-sided Virgil Ortiz demolition when it's all said and done. And we will officially lock it in as you see up on the screen. We both like the knockout. We both also like the under for Virgil Ortiz to get to McKinson and to do that in under eight and a half rounds. And we're laying minus 130 on both of those. And And you will have it's a a 12 round fight. So people are aware of that. So, yes. So uh, it it is for a a WBA eliminator for the WBA welterweight title. Uh, that's where Errol Spence has three of those championships. And, of course, we're hoping we're not going to go down this road right now. We're hoping for a Spence-Terrence Crawford undisputed title fight. But Spence has three of the belts, including the WBA belt. This would kind of be an eliminator situation here uh, to try to make Ortiz the top contender down the road for the WBA. We'll see what happens with that. Well, remember uh, one and thing, again, by the way. Yeah. It's not an official eliminator from the standpoint that the winner is going to become the mandatory because the WBA is already in a situation as they try to eliminate their various titles is that they have uh, Amanda Stanionis who already sits there with that regular belt who is going to be the mandatory 
uh, for Errol. He's already the mandatory for Errol Spence. They did a deal right. to allow him to uh, stand aside for the next fight, and they'll probably have to revisit that uh, should the time come where they finalize this matchup with uh, Terrence Crawford, which we have our fingers crossed, of course, that it will happen. All right, good stuff. Again, Ortiz is the home favorite in Fort Worth, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's in Grand Prairie, which is a Dallas suburb. But they're fighting in Fort Worth Saturday night. Dan and I say knockout and knockout coming fairly soon. We just need it to be sooner than the middle of the ninth round for our purposes on the over-under. On that undercard earlier in the night, former junior welterweight world champion Maurice Hooker, Hooker who got knocked out by Ortiz himself. He got stopped himself by uh, Ortiz uh, back a year ago, is in action on the undercard against a flamboyant fighter from Philadelphia named Blair the Flair Cobbs. All right, Hooker. Very interesting. He's had injury problems. He's been beaten a couple of times by stoppage. And now breaking news here on the BetUS Boxing Show. Hooker has come in overweight, but they are going to allow this fight to go on. We see the odds are fairly even on knockout or decision. I mean, Hooker's a little bit of a favorite. Again, our over-under is eight and a half. Dan, clear this up because Hooker, for the 147-pound welterweight limit, came well came in well past that a little while ago. But the fight is going to go on as we're talking here live Friday afternoon. Elaborate a little more, Dan. Well, Maurice Hooker is a, a former junior welterweight champion, but he's the kind of fighter where, reminds me, not in this fighting style, but certain fighters where no matter what the weight is for the contract, that fighter will find a way to somehow be you know overweight a little bit or have a lot of trouble making it so if you contract at 140 they're going to have trouble making 140 if you contract it at 145 they'll have trouble making 145 and it's just it's the same situation with hooker time and again when he was the uh, wbo champion in 140 pounds he had trouble making weight he was lucky to not lose his fight his uh title on the scales when he fought and they killed les pierre in a fight i was at and it was ridiculous how they handled that weigh-in by all accounts he probably should have lost the title because he it, i don't think it ever really touched 140 the point is he finds this trouble he's now moved up to welterweight he's still having trouble he hasn't fought for well over a year coming off that loss against uh against virgil ortiz and you know his opponent blair cobbs may not be on the pound for pound list but at least he's still hungry to do something. He he has a, a certain a swagger to him. He's hungry to do something. He still hasn't made, uh, not that Maurice Hooker has made millions and millions of dollars, but he certainly made a lot more money than Blair Cobbs has made. So Blair Cobbs has, uh, I believe, that desire. And I feel like Hooker he just doesn't give a damn anymore. You know, he's playing out the mm. string. You know, his career is coming to an end. Uh, he hasn't won a significant fight in a while. But when he has stepped up against the very best, other than, uh, you know, when he won the title, you know, he's been beaten and very decisively in front of his hometown crowd by Jose uh, Ramirez when they did the unification fight a few years ago, also in uh, in Arlington, Texas, right, with all Maurice Hooker's fans in attendance. And this is an opportunity where both of these men, Hooker and Cobbs, are coming off losses. So you don't want to lose multiple fights in a row in boxing. It really puts your career in a, in a bad spot. Sure. Uh, but for Cobbs... You know, this is an opportunity for him to get a good name on his record uh, on a guy that's obviously not, in my opinion, probably not done the greatest training in the world if he's that much overweight. Uh, remember, this is a welterweight fight. Um, it's 147 pounds. He came in 150. Uh, Hooker actually came in, I mean, uh, uh, Cobbs came in a pound under at 146. Um, and, and and that's a problem. I mean, there was, uh, you know, this is not, by the way, it wasn't a total shock. There's a lot of, you know, chatter over the last couple of days that, Hooker was nowhere near making the weight. Uh, according to our good friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, who does the commentary on the zone for these fights, he, uh, he, he posted something that said that uh, of his purse, 
they find Hooker $15,000, which will go uh, to Blair Cobbs to, to supplement his purse to allow the fight to go on. Uh, and you just have to question the motivation at this stage of his career yes. of Hooker, where I don't question the motivation of a Blair Cobbs. And to that end, you and I are on board with the upset on the Bet US line. Hooker is favored minus. Uh, 220 Cobbs plus 180 right now live on the bet us line we both like blair Cobbs here as we lock in the predictions and in fact you're going to go so far as to say Cobbs by knockout look at that savages look at that peeps that is a tasty that is a tasty knockout plus 450 if it happens in this fight for blair Cobbs, blair the flare out of philadelphia i just want him to win somehow some way stoppage decision etc i'll go a little more conservative on the money line with less payout at plus 180 but you and I are in agreement here on uh, on Blair Cobbs in the upset because I, I was thinking this when you were saying this. When you come in three pounds overweight in a situation like this when you've been a former world champ, it's a case of the don't cares. It's like didn't care in training, didn't train well enough. I mean, that is like missing the exit on the interstate while driving by like two exits to be 150. It's one thing if you're like 147 and a half, but to be 150 – that indicates to me what you said, that the, the training is maybe not there, ripe for the upset. And you're even going to double up on this one with the over-under. What do you like here, over-under, on this one I like also? The under. I like the under on this. I just don't think that, uh, again, maybe I'm wrong. And, you know, anybody that's been watching the show since we've been doing this for the last few months, you know, I don't pick a lot of those plus 450 type of fights for the underdog. I just feel like if you're going to take the gamble, which this is what gambling's about, that mm-hmm. in this spot, that Hooker is right for the win. I honestly, even prior to the weight issues, I wouldn't have considered Cobbs over Hooker to be that dramatic of an upset, to be quite honest, because I just think that Maurice Hooker, who, by the way, is a nice guy. I like him. I've known him. I've covered him. You know, good dude. But I just don't think he, he really uh, has his mind on boxing in a, in a full-time way at this point. Um, he did take this fight not on short notice, so he's had a camp, even though maybe it wasn't a full eight or ten weeks. Um He's always had these issues uh, for the last several years in terms of uh, when it comes to making the weight for his fights. It's always been a struggle. And if you don't care and you're that over coming into the weigh-in, with the, my thought process on this is for the under is that when, the tough, when, it, when it starts to get tough in there, that he may not care enough and he might just sit it out on the stool and call it a day instead of taking punishment. Yep. And so yep. I like the under. I think, you know, honestly, I think there's a really solid chance that Blair Cobbs, you know, just makes him quit makes him throw in the towel he doesn't you know why why go out there and keep taking punishment or 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 uh, keep putting myself in jeopardy when i already struggled to get down and i didn't do it and i've got nothing to lose and uh, i'm going to get my paycheck minus fifteen thousand, which is going to also sap some of the motivation and uh just go out there and, and go through the motions while Cobbs, i believe is a hungry fighter really still wants to make his mark in this game now he may not be blessed with the kind of natural talent that maurice hooker has but you know i'm the kind of guy if i was like a baseball scout I'm looking for the guy with the true desire and stick-to-itiveness and mm-hmm. do anything to get the job done that, that might have the B talent than the guy that's lackadaisical that has the A talent. And to who's me, giving me, Who's giving yeah. me the effort, right? Who's willing to ride the bus in single A and make $200 a week, that kind of stuff. That's, and so to yeah. me, when you match the talent level of a Cobbs and a Hooker, Cobbs is that B talent with the desire. Hooker is more of the A talent that doesn't really care so much. So – uh, you know, give me that guy that's going to go and do everything possible to get the W. 
And one more on this because one of the peeps weighed in. Uh, I think it's Fresh BX just weighed in, and we put that up on the screen, that Hooker is off the hand injury and off the long layoff. Thank you. Good job there, Antonio, and our BetUS crew helping us out there. Plus, coming off the broken hand, that was in the Ortiz fight where he just couldn't go anymore. He'd been knocked down. He had the injured hand and said, that's it. And you're kind of foreshadowing something like that might happen again in this one. So Dan is doubling up on the Cobbs KO and the under. And I am cognizant, by the way, TJ, that, yes, in his last fight, that Cobbs was stopped also by Rocha, who is considered a good prospect mm-hmm. by Golden Boy. So it's not like he's uh, uh, indestructible by any means. But, you know, I think there's a little bit more uh, fire in him also to, to, you know, he was really ticked off about that loss. I mean, it was it, it was it was something that he really kind of took personal. And I'm, I'm glad, though, because when you lose in this sport, uh, you should take that bad. You should use that as motivation to get back and to do better the next time. And I think that... He is taking this fight like that, and I don't think Hooker is. All right. Good enough on that. We'll get to some of your questions and answers coming, as you see there on our slate that's coming. Get those ready in the live chat if you're live with us. Again, however and and wherever you have found this show, we are live Fridays, 1 Eastern time, heading towards uh, big bouts coming with a heavyweight title bout in two weeks, not next weekend, but the following weekend, the week of uh, the weekend of August the 20th. Uh, that will be in from Saudi Arabia, Alexander Usyk, Anthony Joshua, three of the heavyweight championship belts on the line. Usyk is the champion. This is the rematch with the Brit Joshua. We will be here one Eastern time previewing that fight. September's Canelo Alvarez, undisputed super middleweight title defense, the trilogy fight with Gennady Golovkin, Triple G. We will be here on the Friday before that September 17th fight on Saturday night in Vegas. So make it a point to be with us here live, no matter when you're seeing us and finding us, because we've got questions and answers in the live chat. We'll do that coming up. One more fight to go. It is a Saturday afternoon fight card, U.S. time. Michael Conlon, Mick Conlon, uh, from uh, Northern Ireland and Miguel Mariaga of Colombia, a veteran coming in. Conlon, a big-time fan favorite in Ireland and in the U.K., uh, ready in a non-title setting here at featherweight against Mariaga, who has been in with some world champions previously. Okay, Conlon heavily favored. There's that over-under number again hovering around 8.5. Dan Rayfield, your thoughts as Conlon suffered his first pro loss in his last fight, so this is a comeback fight of sorts. What are your thoughts, Dan? Well, Conlon, uh, as you mentioned, is coming off that loss. And anybody that saw that fight, it took place in March uh, in Nottingham, England, which was the uh, hometown of his opponent, Lee Wood, who was the holder, or is still the holder, of the WBA's secondary featherweight title. Uh, Conlon getting the opportunity to fight for that. And it was a spectacular fight. And Conlon was winning the fight and going into the 12th round. He had knocked Lee Wood down in round one. He had busted his face up. He had bloodied him. Um, he had survived his own knockdown in round 11. And they go into round 12. And, of course, at that time, the, the fighters don't know the scores. But as we look back, he was winning the fight. And I think the, the, the general feeling was he's winning the fight and that Lee Wood's going to have to do something dramatic uh, to keep that title and to satisfy all those fans that filled up the arena in his hometown in Nottingham. And lo and behold... With about 90 seconds left in the fight, not only did he have one of the greatest, most dramatic comebacks in recent boxing history, but he did so by knocking Michael Conlon clear out of the ring. He landed three really mm. good right hands. Michael slipped through the ropes, back, uh, you know, back to the ropes, and slid out between the, the two of the three, uh, two of the ropes, and went down to the to the arena floor, you know, head first. A very scary scene. Fortunately for for everybody and for Michael, obviously he was okay. They took him to the hospital in an ambulance uh, just to make sure all was well. But very, very dramatic, very, very outstanding fight that took place in March. A definite front runner 
uh, top candidate for the fight of the year thus far. But it was a loss, and now it's the it's time to get back. Now, to Michael's credit, you know, he, he, he talked about the fight. He didn't want to dwell on it. He says, look, you know, he got me, and, you know, I'm putting it behind me, and now here he goes with Miguel Mariaga. Now, as you mentioned, featherweight fight, technically speaking, technically it's a junior lightweight fight because they're contracted at 128 pounds, which is two pounds heavier than the featherweight limit, two lower right. than the 130-pound junior lightweight limit. But that doesn't really make a difference because it's a 10-round fight. It's not for a title. Mariaga and Conlon both have fought, you know, in and around between 26 and 30 in their past fights. And, you know, they didn't they what they did here was this. They want Michael back in the title picture as quickly as possible, as does, you know, he want for himself. They did not match him with a total stiff nobody type of fight uh, where you could see that scenario playing out for somebody coming off such a devastating loss. But they also didn't match him with King Kong, a guy that they feel like is going to beat him. So clearly Mariaga is the underdog. But he's a dangerous underdog because he can punch, because he's got a durable chin, because he's vastly experienced. He has fought for world titles on three different occasions, and he usually gives a good effort. You know, when he fought, for example, Oscar Valdez in a featherweight title fight and challenged Valdez for his title, he didn't win, but he gave Oscar a very, very tough fight. Um, He's fought for the title other times also. The only time, he's got five losses, but the only time uh, that Mariaga, known as the Scorpion, has ever been defeated was by the great Vasily Lomachenko in a junior lightweight world title fight where he was just taking a lot of punishment in the corner, stopped the fight between rounds. Defeated by knockout. He's got the five losses, but the only knockout loss Correct. is to Lomachenko. Yeah, what did point. I say? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was the one stoppage. And it wasn't a stoppage where he's flat on his back and the referee's right. counting to 10. He just had taken a bit of punishment, showed durability. And at uh, the end of the seventh round, the, the, the corner thought that he had enough and they, they stopped the fight. Uh, and that's his only loss by a knockout in those other losses. So, you know, he is a dangerous guy because of that experience, because of the punching power. But other than that, Michael Conlon is the more versatile fighter. He's the better overall boxer. Obviously, he's going to have the huge hometown support in Belfast. Yes. Not both fans can get into the ring in Northern Ireland and fight for him. But it, Michael is the kind of fighter, if you followed his career, he thrives on having the crowd behind him. Um, where some guys, they feel a lot of pressure. Michael really embraces having the crowd with him. So that's going to be, I think, a good thing for him. Um, And in the end, it's the kind of fight where you figure that Mariaga is going to give him some good work, going to give him some rounds. And in the end, it's going to be Michael Conlon with his hand raised. But because Conlon's not a big puncher, he's only got a 50% knockout ratio, which is not anything special. He's 16-1 and with eight knockouts. Uh, that he probably will outbox Mariaga, maybe overcome a couple of tough moments, but in the end, you know, win that decision, have his hand raised, and for his sake, move on uh, back into the featherweight championship picture. All right, so you and I are in agreement on this. Uh, Conlon, again, will be buoyed by the home crowd. The the home crowd will be behind him, whatever he does. Uh, In Belfast, very popular fighter in Ireland, one of the most popular fighters in the U.K., we think he's going to win. We believe it's going to be by decision. I'm in agreement here. I think the veteran uh, Mariaga will hang in there with him and will not be stopped uh, in this one. So we'll lock it in. You and I, by decision, you're having to pay a little more. The Bet US line and the odds makers believe that this is probably a Conlon decision in this fight. So then again, we've, we've frequently talked about this, but for those that are new, if you're going to go ahead and do that, we're both obviously on the over if we believe it's going the 10-round distance. 
distance. So we're both also going to take the over eight and a half rounds. And again, that's what the odds makers believe. You see, it's not very good value there, but you might as well double up. We haven't really talked about this. You can get the opportunity at some sports books to double up on the Conlon decision win and then also uh, the over or double up on Conlon on the money line. You're not getting a lot of great value there, but also double up on the over if you believe it's by decision and you get a little bit better odds. Uh, on this. And we should mention again on that prop on the over, I believe in his last nine fights, this includes the knockout loss to Wood in the 12th round. Only one of them, one of them has failed to go at least nine rounds. So again, in his last eight or nine fights, almost all of them are distance fights or nine or 10 round fights. That's why we like the over, right, my friend? Well, I mean, this look, one for Conlon. Conlon's just not a big puncher. He's a very good boxer. He's a two-time Olympian, uh, had a bronze medal in one of the Olympic Games. Here's a guy with a lot of talent. But if you look at the record, I said it's 16-1 and one with eight knockouts. But most of those eight knockouts were in the very early stages of, of his career when he's not fighting uh, the elite opposition. So, you know, by nature, those are going to be the fights where you're going to be able to score knockouts. As your competition grows better in boxing, oftentimes, not always, but for guys that especially aren't blessed with the biggest power, your knockouts are going to are gonna lessen. And that's the case with Michael Conlon. So to me, you put into the equation uh, a consummate, good quality boxer like Conlon that doesn't have a humongous amount of punching power in with a guy like Mariaga that's not the most skillful boxer uh, but has a great chin, and it all adds up to a decision uh, in favor of Michael Conlon because I just don't see any way possible unless something quote, very freakish were to occur that Mariaga is capable of outboxing Michael Conlon, that seems a bridge too far to me. So uh, to me, this was, a, a when we do our picks, TJ, this to me was like a pretty easy pick. It didn't really take, frankly, a lot of of, a diet, of a analysis and thought when I made that pick on Conlon. Yeah, we're in, a, we're in agreement. We're in agreement that Conlon is supposed to win. And just one more time, I want to look here and, and get the odds because you were just talking about it on what would – uh, um, uh, Mariaga decision uh, prop pay. The odds makers again at BetUS have that at plus twenty two hundred. There you so go. So the likelihood you might be more you might be more likely to be dating a supermodel tonight, peeps, than getting a Mariaga unless, plus twenty two hundred decision. Unless Although you got some kind of crazy inside information about about what's going on with Mariaga, you pick him by uh, that type of with those odds. I mean, you know, yeah. yes, uh, somebody won the Powerball. But your chances are very, very small. Yeah, that's very true on uh, that. And notice it wasn't you or I winning the Powerball because we're still here on the Bet US show doing boxing pits every week. You know you can't get away from me. You would win the Powerball and you would still want to be on with me. But if you I, were would, the I would still do. If I won the Powerball, you know what? I, I might we'd still uh, hang. We'd still hang. All right. Uh, it, real quick, uh, question and answers upcoming from the peeps. Tell your Michael Conlon story here that you told on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We'll duplicate it. But for the audience here, you were at his pro debut, and he's not just a big deal in Ireland. Tell us more. Oh, that was when he made his professional debut. First of all, it was the I forget if it was the night before or the night of St. Patrick's Day. So all the Irish in New York knew about this. He's a popular figure in Ireland. He was turning professional, coming off of his very controversial loss. If people remember back in the Olympic Games in 2016 when he uh, was eliminated, uh, the feeling was it was a very, very corrupt decision. And when he stood in the ring, disgusted by the result, you know, maybe not his best moment in life, but it went viral and he basically gave all the judges the middle finger, the double middle finger. <laughs> and it sort of became a big thing. And when he signed his contract, 
with his uh, promoter to go pro, he signed with Top Rank. And there's another famous photo that went viral of he and Bob Arum, his promoter, smiling for the camera, both uh, giving the middle finger to the photographer as a I, sort of. Uh, I remember it. Yep. Pro. So he kind of made his name right off the bat in the pros. But anyway, when he turned pro, it was a massive crowd sold out at the Madison Square Garden Theater, which was hosting a Triple G fight the following night. So because of the Golovkin fight, that was a pretty big deal at that time. There was a lot of press that was in town that also turned out to go to Michael's pro debut. And I have to say, and you know, TJ, you know, I've been to uh, uh, tons and tons of big time fights over the years. The electricity in that room, which is a small arena, Madison Square Garden, the main arena, holds like 20,000. The smaller room uh, that is, uh, you know, downstairs from the main arena holds about 5,200, something like that. And it was packed to the gills. And, you know, it didn't matter that Conlon was turning pro and wasn't in a championship fight or had an opponent that, you know, was just there to basically be a body in the ring. It was a huge deal. The electricity was incredible. Uh, he's friendly with the the MMA star Conor McGregor. Conor was on hand. Conor walked him into the ring, which was a big deal. And we don't have to get into all the details, but as I've said, and people know if they follow what happened after that fight, you know, Conor was trying to uh, make his his play to get the fight with Floyd Mayweather that ultimately did happen. But he went uh, crazy after the fight and came running over to the ringside press and and for some reason got in my face and started shouting at me. We got into like a little thing that was all over the place. So you know he went out drinking when it was over. I had to go on Sports Center, but whatever. Right, I remember. Uh, it was it was a big big night for Conlon and that launched him into the pros with a knockout victory in the pro debut uh, in that viral moment with uh, with the ring walk and with Connor and and just all right. the uh, and. Um, now he's taking the show to Belfast where he's fought before. And remember, in Belfast this weekend, the, the city has this big annual summer festival. And this is like one of the big events that's part of that festival. It's not the first time he's appeared in a fight right. on the Saturday of that festival. So the city is anticipating, you know, the Conlon return for this fight. So it's sort of a big deal. All right, so again, it's going to be available in the U.K. in the evening. The fight card itself gets underway. ESPN Plus will have it in the United States at 2 Eastern time, and we suspect the Conlon-Mariaga fight will be somewhere 4 Eastern or after, depending probably on how after. fast the undercard fights go, which we don't know how quickly they get to the I'd main say event. Probably, your not. best bet on the main event is probably more closer to the 5 p.m. time frame. But, uh, yeah, they'll, you know, they've got a bunch of undercard fights that will take place prior and uh, as they wind their way to the main event. All right, good enough on that. And again, for Conlon, it's a big comeback fight for him. Kind of the same thing as uh, Ortiz off the uh, the blood disorder and being out of the ring. He wants to come back yes. and be strong. Conlon off the loss, wants to come back and be strong and be impressive and maybe get a knockout if he can. But Dan and I both believe decision on that. All right, let's get to the savages. Uh, they've got some questions uh, here. Uh, and for Antonio and the guys, let's go. Uh, Trey X says on the undercard, of that Conlon Mariaga fight is Tyrone McKenna, another Irish fighter fighting Chris Jenkins. Again, I defer to you on all avenues of travel. Do you have anything on this fight, much less a betting nod? I mean, the only thing I can say about that fight is uh, it's an evenly matched kind of fight in my mind. So I don't know what are if there is even a number on the bet US uh, on the line for that fight. They're both coming off losses. It's sort of like a must win for both guys. Um, you know, it's a toss-up. I mean, that's what what can you say about it? It's a toss-up. McKenna uh, minus six hundred to win. Again, the over/under is eight and a half. Again, on the Bet US line, McKenna plus one sixty by knockout, minus yeah. one ten to get the decision. Just for the I mean, and also McKenna is the hometown guy. He's the Irishman. He's the one that's from Belfast. Uh, Jenkins is from Wales, so they're bringing him in to fight in the hometown. 
you know, it's not the kind of fight that I would be hot to bet on. But I guess if you had to bet, you know, they're both sort of going to be desperate, kind of like Hooker and and uh, and um, Maurice Hooker, the Maurice Hooker fight that's on the uh, on the uh, Virgil Ortiz card, where he and Blair Cobbs are coming off losses. McKenna and Jenkins both coming off losses, although. Uh, you know, toss-up fight. I mean, I guess if you have to, I'm going to go with the hometown guy. But it's, not again, not the kind of fight that I would be hot to bet on because it's just too many variables in my mind. All right. Fair enough on that. Um, again, uh, Trey X is asking about another undercard fight. We already got one of those out of the way. There's another guy, Fresh BX, who we referenced earlier. He's asking you a question about uh, U.S. middleweight uh, champion, WBO world middleweight champion, Demetrius Andrade. We know that Andrade has been injured. Uh, Fresh being a promotional free agent, could he end up with premier boxing champions? Dan, do we know anything about Andre's status for the rest of this year with what is, I believe, a shoulder injury and where he might land promotionally or fight next? Well, in terms of the shoulder injury, it was it was supposed to be uh, the kind of thing that kept him out about four months. So he's, it's, it's, he's supposed to be okay from that. I think that uh, it's not super serious uh, from what I was told by his manager at the time when it was first the thing that caused him to withdraw from a fight he was supposed to have overseas in the UK. Um, he is no, he has become a promotional free agent. His uh, time with Eddie Hearn has come to an end. He is in a situation right now where the WBO has ordered him to face uh, Janibek Alamakanuli, which is the interim champion. And that fight um, where at one point he had sort of sidestepped that fight to go and take a fight in the super middleweight division for the interim title. That was the fight that got canceled because of the shoulder injury. So now he's in a position where you either have to fight uh, the mandatory uh, against Janibek, or you have to vacate or be stripped of your title. So um, my understanding from speaking with Demetrius' uh, management in, probably in the last like week or so or 10 days or so, is they're strongly considering doing the fight and going through either trying to make a deal or making doing the purse bid for the Janibek fight uh, because they don't have a lot of other options. There was conversation. They were trying to make a fight between Demetrius Andre and Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, that really hasn't gone too, too far. Uh, Eubank, of course, was also uh, and has been in conversations of possibly fighting against Conor Ben in a, what would be a much bigger fight in the UK, which would be sometime in early October. Uh, so right now it feels like uh, from the Andre side, they're willing to, to at least you know go to the deadline anyway and to see what they can do with the Janbeck fight. And even though he's a promotional free agent, he is presently working with uh, uh, Dimitri Salida's Salida Promotions, which is uh, the company that is sort of the ones who are the point people in terms of the correspondence from the WBO as it relates to this title defense. So he's working with him uh, and seeing if Demetrius can do a deal for either that fight or possibly the Eubank fight. Um, so his schedule is up in the air right now. He's either going to be relieved of his title, give up the title, or he's going to be fighting Janibek at the end of the year. So the implication from the question was, too, about premier boxing champions. That's Jermall Charlo, who has the 160-pound WBC title. Gennady Golovkin has the other two. If he were to finally, and PBC was trying to get him, Andre we're talking about a couple of different times, if they were finally able to agree, that would be the logical reason why he would agree would be to fight Charlo. But I don't know if PBC wants to make that deal because he shunned him a couple of previous times, Andre. I don't know. I don't know if it's anything to do with having uh, shown them in the past, but I just I just think that they would PBC would probably be willing to work with them on a series of fights as long as it was within the budget that they could live with. Because right. uh, remember, they they really don't have 
the outlet now of the national Fox shows in the United States because they're only doing essentially either pay-per-view fights or fights that take place on their network, but only in like the preliminary hour or two before the pay-per-view. So all of the inventory of fights that PBC has now is on Showtime in terms of their non-pay-per-view fights. And they have so many guys that they need to accommodate. It would sort of be difficult for them to bring Andre into the fold when he's not this, you know, he's a hell of a fighter. Don't get me wrong, but he's not the big draw of some of their other names. So, you know, Demetrius Andre, uh, who I feel has been, you know, very, very avoided for a very long time. And he's brought some of it upon himself, no doubt about that. But he's just in a tough spot right now. The, I think ultimately he may have to be forced into doing the fight with Janibek, which is a dangerous fight because it's a, it's a losable fight. You know, Demetrius is not getting any younger. And Janibek is a powerful a fresh, dangerous dude with a with also a great amateur background, the same way that Demetrius has, but much younger, much fresher, much heavier puncher. Uh, tough fight, but they'll see what they can do. At some point, you're going to have to take the gamble. If they can't get something bigger, it's going to have to see what's out there in terms of what they can get the best purse possible for the Janibek fight. Roll the dice. If you win, you move on. If you lose, you know, maybe it's time to call it a day. All right. We'll find out on that. we got to go here in a minute. The peeps are still going back and forth on some of these undercard fights for uh, both the Ortiz uh, card with McKinson or the Conlon card in Ireland uh, with Mariaga. I've got a fun one. So there's lots of Little League baseball going on with the Little League baseball playoffs eventually to the Little League World Series in famous Williamsport, Pennsylvania coming up. Uh, there's actually a Tampa Little League team, and I won't get into all of it, but it's connected to the area where I live. They're playing in the Southeast Regional in Georgia against all the South teams right now. There's a West Regional, a Northeast Regional, etc. My question to Dan Rayfield, were you a Little League ball player? Sure. And were you right-handed or left-handed batter? Were you a pitcher? Spill the beans before we go. Were you a left, Little League monster? What about it? Left-handed pitcher, bad Ooh. right-handed could switch Ooh. hit, but mostly batted right-handed, but throw with my okay. left hand. Pitched and played first base. Did you bring the heat as a lefty, as the pitcher? I was a sloppy curveball guy. Okay, sloppy curveball guy. I was an outfielder, not 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 a big hitter. I was a pretty good outfielder, and my baseball career basically ended in Little League. I don't know about you, but that was basically well, I went a little me. bit further than that into, like, the junior high level and high school <laughs> level, but, uh, you know, but not, not anything spectacular to write home All about. Right. By the way, I did see another question that popped up there that was another undercard fight that I, I – Yes, somebody else was asking about another one of the undercard fights, Alex Martin Martin and Hank Lundy. Do you have anything on that before we're good? That's a a junior welterweight fight that I believe is on the Ortiz and McKinson. Yeah, there it is. I see it now on the screen. On the Ortiz and McKinson undercard. Um, Martin is the guy that fought McKinson on short notice and and lost a 10-round decision to him in March when he replaced Virgil when Virgil withdrew because of the, uh, the blood disorder. And Hank Lundy has been a guy that's fought for a world title in the past, uh, fought Terrence Crawford, got beat by him pretty handily. Uh, Lundy at this point is, is pretty much a journeyman playing out the string um, and has fought all over the world, has double-digit losses now. That's one of those fights where, you know, we talk about this, TJ, all the time when we do the show. Are you betting just because you want to bet or do you have some real specific reason that's right. you want to be betting it? If I'm looking at Hank Lundy versus Alex Martin, I'm probably going to just sit back and maybe watch the fight uh, as opposed to putting my money on it. But that said, if you have to bet, a Lundy hasn't really done anything for a long time. Uh, not that Martin is a world beater, but I might actually lean is, might actually lean towards Martin, but not the kind of fight I'd be putting. Alex on. Alex Martin minus nine hundred on the money line. No, to your you know, point, and that. I didn't know the odds. I had no idea who the official. Right, and Lundy was. plus 
550 on the underdog play. Again, you can't really make money if you bet Martin then. No. And, and, and again, you're talking fight. about four or five fights down from the main event. Are I'm, you, you know just I'm not even betting sure a fight the, to bet a fight? I'm not even sure now when they do these DAZN shows, Golden Boy and DAZN, they'll show the, the top four fights on the card and they'll show other fights on their uh, YouTube uh, right. stream or on DAZN, but on what they call like the uh, before the bell or whatever they call it. Um, and I don't even think that, I'm not even sure if McKinson and, and, and Alundi is part of the main card. That's how low down on the show it is. Um, and again, if, at, if you're at minus 900, you really can't make any money on the favorite. And unless you really know something that's going on with Hank Lundy and his side, you know, I'm not touching a fight like that with a 10 foot. Amen. 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 All right. On that note, I think we are good. Uh, once again, Dan, enjoy uh, all the action this weekend. And for the peeps, here we go. Let's recap one more time. Here are the best bets. And Dan is coming strong with two bets on each of our three fights. You see that we both like uh, Virgil Ortiz to get the knockout. We agree on the under of eight and a half rounds. Uh, Dan was more uh, aggressive with Blair Cobbs in the matchup with Maurice Hooker. He likes Cobb by the knockout. Look at the payout for a Cobbs knockout in that undercard fight on the Ortiz card in Fort Worth, Texas. And he's also going to go with the under. We both agree on Michael Conlon by a decision in the afternoon U.S. time in Ireland to get his career back on track. And so then we're automatically taking the over. If you believe it's going to go the route, we're taking the over eight and a half rounds on that. With that, my friend, continued success with the uh, with the wagering here. We thank you once again, Dan, for the insight and the analysis. Have another good weekend. We'll enjoy the fights, my friend. I'm just hoping for no bad, quick referee stoppages that cost yeah. me the over. Yeah, we don't want that for this week. Let's hope we get some good action. Again, you can read more at BigFightWeekend.com. Catch us there and catch us next Friday on the Bet U.S. Boxing Show live at 1 Eastern time. For Dan, I'm TJ. Enjoy the fights. 